Welcome to Away From The Keyboard. We give you a glimpse into the lives, interests, and tech behind today's technologists. Please join our hosts, Cecil Phillip and Richie Rump, as we get away from the keyboard. Welcome to Away From The Keyboard, where technologists tell their stories of how they started, how they grew, how they learned, and how they unwind. My name is Richie Rump, and joining me at the other end of the microphone is my co-host, Cecil Phillip. How you doing today, Cecil? Doing pretty good, Richie. What you got going on? Man, I am excited about the new offer that Brent Ozar Unlimited has for our listeners. If you rate and review us on iTunes, you'll receive their course, The Developer's Guide to SQL Server Performance. I took a little deeper look into it this week, and it's not just like a 30-minute course or an hour-long course. This is like 15 different sections, man. This is really packed and a lot of this stuff in there is like super great on how to understand SQL Server works, man. It, and it's a, usually a $300 value and you get it free just by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. I'm just super excited about this whole deal. I know one of the sections I really want to look into is the T-SQL and data design anti-patterns. Yeah. What about you? You have any particular sections you want to highlight? Yeah, my favorite one, and I've, and I've seen this a, a couple of times, is the uh, how to think like SQL Server and how to think like the engine. Oh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, I think Brent does such a great job of simply explaining the internals of the SQL Server engine and how within an hour you'll be like, oh, I understand how that works now. And you'll be able to write SQL better just because you understand what goes on underneath. It, it, it's, it's really, that, that session alone is probably worth the price of admission. Nice. So remember, go to awayfromthekeyboard.com slash rate us, and you'll find all the details about how you can get access to this really great course. So what else we got going on, man? So we have a bunch of events coming up. This month, January 26th, um, at the Idea Center at Miami-Dade College, we have SouthFloridaSpeaks.net. This is a really cool event. We're going to have a lot of community members, and essentially, it's going to be us telling all of the folks in the audience about what is it that we can do with .NET. We're going to talk about web. We're going to talk about mobile. We're going to talk about the cloud. We're going to talk about the community. We're going to talk about a lot of great topics. So if you're in South Florida, make sure you come by and check it out. Yeah, I know you and I will both be at South Florida Code Camp on February 20th, 2016 at Nova Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale. If you want to sign up, that's SouthFloridaCodeCamp.com. We'll be there. I'll be speaking. I know you'll be speaking, Cecil. They'll, there's going to be like 70 different speakers there. There's over a thousand people that show up. It is like our Super Bowl of the South Florida tech scene. So if you haven't been to South Florida Code Camp and you want to check it out, it's February 20th. We'll be there. So also happening next month, February 10th, we're having Let's Dev This Cloud Tour, right? It's happening at the Microsoft office, and they're going to be talking about the latest and greatest happenings in Visual Studio 2015 and Microsoft Azure. It's going to be a full day event. You get to get to come in and play around with the tools and see what it's like to actually deploy an application into the cloud. And if you're not in Fort Lauderdale on February 10th, this is a tour, man. They're going to have this all over the place. So if you just go ahead and Google Let's Dev This Cloud Tour, you could see the location that's closest to you. So for all of these events, if you'd like to get more information about them, make sure you check out the show notes on the page. Go to wayfordandkeyboard.com and look for Adam's episode, and you'll see all these listed here where you could go and sign up. So who are we talking to today, Cecil? So today we're talking to Mr. Adam Saxton. So Adam is a senior content developer for Microsoft's business intelligence products. Prior to that, he supported business intelligence products along with connectivity for SQL Server, which included all of the drivers used to communicate with SQL Server. He's based in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas, and he's been working for Microsoft for over 10 years. 
Adam has been active in the past community and has spoken at past summit and SQL Saturdays. He blogs and for the last year he's been producing videos on a YouTube channel where he has the brand Guy in a Cube. He's married with two kids, loves playing video and board games when he isn't working. It sounds like a pretty cool guy to me, right? Yeah, this is a great one. This is a great one. I really enjoyed this episode. This episode was recorded on January 5th, 2016. And now our conversation with Adam Saxon. And now, away from the keyboards feature conversation. I personally don't know a lot about you. So maybe we could start off with you giving me a little bit of insight in terms of like who exactly is Adam? <laughs> who is Adam? Um well, I work for Microsoft. I am a senior content developer in the BI product group. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, I focus on Power BI, analysis services, and reporting services currently. That is a fairly recent development around September last year. Before that, I was in the support group for close to 10 years, and I was supporting the BI products and certain aspects of SQL Server. As part of that, I got to see a wide range of issues from both the business intelligence side as well as connectivity, working with SQL. I was surrounded by all the guys working on SQL Server as well, so I got looped into some of that occasionally. I don't claim to be an expert in SQL Server, but I probably know more than I let on. Yeah. <laughs> so it's one, it's one of those things. Uh, there uh, there was one time where we're like, oh, you're a SQL guy. And I'm like, well, I use that term sparingly. Like, you know, when it comes to the business intelligence, intelligence stuff, I'm a lot more confident on that side. But on the on the SQL engine side, it's like, I, I know enough to be dangerous. Yeah, I think that happens to a lot of SQL people, actually, because we kind of know the experts. I mean, like the people who know it cold. And when we compare ourselves with those folks, we're just like, oh, we don't know anything. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, my litmus test is uh, there's two individuals or actually three individuals in our group that I think are just really, really smart or on the support side. Those guys I looked up to a lot. Um, they were my mentors as I was going through. And uh, that was kind of my my bar of smartness. <laughs> and they are probably the smartest guys I know. One of the guys, he's he's crazy enough to where he can go into a conference room and just start whiteboarding assembly code off top of his head. And it makes sense. <laughs> Uh-huh. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I, I think, I think you set the bar kind of high. Yeah, I know. That's, I, yeah, people have told me that before too. I'm like, well, I'm like, that's kind of what I aspired to. So you said that you were a senior content developer. So yes. I've actually never heard about that role before. So could you tell me a little bit about what that is? Yeah. So all of the documentation, the official documentation for the product, that's what this role is. So any of, so if you go to like support.powerbi.com and go to the knowledge base, all of the articles that are there, that's on my team that owns that. Also all of the MSDN documentation for reporting services and analysis services. So the books online stuff, that's also on my team. Uh, we also help out with white papers. I have a passion for video, so that's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, that was actually one thing I asked because I've got my own YouTube channel and I asked them when I was going over to the team, I'm like, look, is there going to be a conflict of interest or can I keep doing that? And they said, no, yeah, keep doing it. So I'm like, great. So, so tell us more about your YouTube channel. So I, it started, I, I got started blogging uh, when I was in the support group. And after a while, I was doing like a lot of internal triages and 
brown bags or, you know, just training for, for the folks on the team. And I started recording that stuff internally. And I'm like, you know what? A lot of this stuff is not confidential. It's just like, how do you troubleshoot something? How do you, you know, how something works? And probably about like 80% of it was not confidential. So I'm like, why don't we just get this out publicly? Like, why are we keeping this internal? And so I started doing about a year ago, I started doing a YouTube channel and I created a brand for it called Guy in a Cube. And as part of that, I've been doing regular videos now. Uh, I've got a Tuesday and a Thursday video. Tuesday is more of a technical video. And then the Thursday is kind of like a roundup information news type video. And I've been doing that for 30 plus weeks now consistently. So talking about you making these videos. So I find pretty much pretty recently, a lot of developers are now starting to get into video a lot more. Like you're seeing stuff like live coding.tv and, you know, a lot of people are, are streaming their, their live coding experiences and that type of stuff. So like what kind of tools exactly do you use to, to even say, Hey, I want to get into video. I want to start publishing channels or like how does, like how do you even go through that process? There's a lot of tools out there and it was an evolution for me in terms of over the last year, if you look at the first videos that I put out there as compared to the ones I'm doing now, like production quality is much better. The thing I find across a lot of people say this is if you want to get started in YouTube or doing videos, just do it. Don't worry about the tools that you're using or the production quality or that you have to have the best camera. Like if all you have is your phone camera, then do that. Or if all you have is just all you can grab is just a screen capture of your desktop, do that and talk over it. It doesn't have to be great. Um, just it's more about the content itself and what what your story is and what the value is for the for the person that's watching it. And then over time, you'll figure out like you know, how to improve that. And, and or throw money at it like I did. And that makes sense, right? Because it's, if you, if you have this really great production setup, but you have no content, right? And people aren't interested in what you're saying, then you, you know, it's, it's kind of all for naught, right? Yeah. Well, and it's like you're, you're asking someone to take time out of their schedule to watch what you're producing. And so what's the value for them? And if the value is not there, they're not going to watch it. I think that's the same as for pretty much a lot of stuff, right? So, you know, whether it's we're writing code or, or whether we're writing, doing blog posts, just, just start. You know, I know that Doug Lane had did a T-SQL video and that was ridiculously well done. If I would ever start video and then see that, I'm like, I, I, there's no way that I'll ever get to that, you know, level where he's doing green screen and he's got special effects and he's doing all these things. And it's, it's one of the, the, the best produced technical videos I've ever seen. But if I just don't, if I want to get into it, I can't start at that level. I have to go in where I'm at and then I can work my way up. Yeah. The other thing with that too is that to do something like that takes an insane amount of time to yeah. put together. So I, I know I did a video for my daughter for a fundraiser at school and I think we shot about, she was seven. You know, she was fussy. She didn't want to pay attention. We shot for about an hour and that produced a one minute video. Oh, <laughs> so, you know, so it takes, it takes a lot of time. I just did a, uh, I'm helping a buddy at work with a scholarship video for his son. And we just did some recording last night of, we went to three different locations and I think I have about an hour and a half of footage and it's going to be about a three minute video. So how long does that take to edit? 
right? So when when you're doing maybe not the the ones you did for your daughter or or your 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 son's friend, but maybe if you're doing a guy in a queue video, how how long does it take for you to shoot that? And then how long does it take for you to edit? So the guy in a cube to actually shoot the video. So normally I, I try to shoot it. I want it to be like a three to five minute video as the outcome. I've got it kind of down to a science now where it takes me shooting time is maybe 11 minutes, 15 minutes. Wow. Um, and I narrow that down to three to five minutes. So like I have an outline before I do it. And so I kind of know what I'm going to say. I don't script it at all, but I, I know what the general premise is, right? I've gone through, I know what I'm going to show. I know what I'm going to talk about. And the other thing is for the guy in a cube videos that I have, I have a lot of like templates and stuff that I've developed over time that I use repeatedly. And so that really cuts down on the editing time. So things like lower thirds and the way that I move things in and out or, you know, the camera setup, all of that stuff I have, it's, it's a science at that point. For the Tuesday videos, it may take me maybe an hour or two to edit it. Wow. Yeah. It's not, it's not too bad. Yeah, that's that's pretty good actually. So you, you could get essentially you could you could crank out content pretty frequently once once you've gotten the content written. Yeah. So you mentioned that you were doing a video for your friend's son's scholarship application. So what I wanted to ask you was, is there a difference? Do you find there's a big difference between doing technical and non technical videos in terms of the the time it takes to edit? No, not, not in terms of the content itself. No, what takes the time? Like, so the video for that graduation, I did most of it last night and I probably spent about four hours on it. And I think I spent maybe an hour early this morning on it as well. So, uh, the, the thing I don't have though is it's net new. So I don't have any, I'm like creating stuff, you know, fresh. And so that takes time. And so trying to get, also trying to line up some, B-roll type footage as well as, you know, figuring out, okay, what, what kind of music's going to go good with this? What kind of shots? What kind of angles? I've got, when I did it, I've, I, we recorded in three different locations and we said the same thing in three different locations. So then it's like going through all of that, splitting them out, figuring out, okay, which one plays the best in this scenario? So there's more time with it in that sense. As opposed to like the technical videos I do, it's just me in front of a camera in my cube. So, I, you know, I don't have a lot of options to choose from. It's just that. So out of all the videos that you've created over over the time, which ones would you say the ones that you had the most fun working on? So the probably the, the funnest one I think I had was I did uh, one of the information roundups I did uh, was theme to back to the future. And so yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, um, I actually went and so I guess the October 21st, I think was a Wednesday. And so I shoot the roundup videos. I always shoot the morning that I'm doing it. Or I, I try to. So that's Thursday morning, like early morning. And on Wednesday, I found out that USA Today was going to actually produce the cover for what was in Back to the Future 2 for uh, October 22nd, 2015. So I'm like, oh, that's on Thursday. So like early morning while I'm going into work, I actually I had to stop by like a 7-Eleven to go pick up a USA Today because I use that as a prop in the video. And then for a Halloween costume, I actually bought like a Marty McFly outfit. So I had the red vest and the uh, the jacket. So the 
that that part was fun. Uh, the other thing I did that was cool with it was like the lower thirds. I, I mucked around with that a little bit to try and get it like they were coming in like the DeLorean. So you had kind of the flash of light. They showed up and then they uh, zipped across and left a fire trail as they exited. So <laughs> I, I spent an insane amount of time trying to get that going. So that video alone, total editing time for that, because it was all just stuff I was playing with and it stretched myself in After Effects and... I think I probably spent about 20 hours on that video. So, but I, I loved it. One of the things I really like about the Gyne Cube videos is all the stuff that's around the cube. Yeah. If you're not in the cube right now, that's cool. I'm not. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I, I figured you were. Could you mentally go around and kind of tell us a little a bit about all the kind of cool little stuff that you've got hanging around in your cube? Yeah. So there's two items that you actually don't see in my videos today um, that were actually kind of the start of everything. Um, and those are my two big Lego sets. So I've got a big uh, Imperial Star Destroyer, and then I've also got the big uh, Super Star Destroyer. Oh, yeah. tell us about the Super Star Destroyer. So that's actually not as impressive as the Imperial Star Destroyer. Interesting. Yeah, well, because so the Imperial Star Destroyer is, it's three foot long, it's about 3,300 pieces, and the profile of it is huge. It's it's probably like a foot and a half tall. And so that thing stands out, like you can't wow. miss that. And so everyone, like there's a lot of people in the office that usually come by my cube just to see that, because you can see that from the whole floor. Like I'm, it's like a beacon, like you know where I sit. Yeah, and it stands out on video, too. It's like, that is a Star Destroyer. Yes, yes. And so people will come over and they're like, wow, that's really awesome. I'm like, oh, yeah, the one behind you is also one that I have. It's on the other side of my cube, and that's the Super Star Destroyer. And they're like, oh, I didn't even notice that. Like, it doesn't stand out. Because it's, it's four feet long, but it's like almost like it's so thin that you just don't see it. So the uh, – and then from there, it was just like little things that – I picked up over time and like, I, I think the, some early items that I have there are the, uh, Mr. Potato Head one. So like I've got Spud Trooper, uh, Darth Potato, uh, I think it's R2 Potato or something. I forget what his name is. There, there's another item I have where it was actually a 3D printing of my old, uh, World of Warcraft character. Oh. So this was like, like really old, old, like a long time ago. Um, where they offered like free or not free, you had to pay for it, but you could get the 3D printing of your character. So it's like full on, like in all of his raid gear. And so I still, I still have that. I did see you had some Thundercats thing in the background. Yeah. So I've got the Sword of Omen is there. Yes. So it was funny. We were, uh, we were in Toys R Us or something. I think we were looking for a Halloween costume for the kids or toy or something. And we're going by and the kids were like, Hey, look at this. It's a sword. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's a Sword of Omen. And they're like, yeah, that's awesome. And my wife was like, no, like we're not gonna get. I'm like, can I, can I get it? <laughs> like, I, I want it. We're like, well, what are you just gonna play with it? I'm like, no, I'm taking that to the office. <laughs> and so, so it actually expands, and there's it's got the Thundercat logo on one side, and then the eye on the other, and like it makes sounds and something like it's. It was cool. <laughs> so I got that. Um, I also have a couple board games that are there. Um, you can't really see them in the newer videos. You can see them in the older videos. Uh, but I've got like three board games that are stacked right there that have just been there forever. So what you got? Um, the three that are there, one of them is Thunderstone. Um, Interesting. I think Core Worlds is there. And then, oh, what's the other one? It's uh, uh, Eminent Domain. Oh, so, okay. And then in my cabinet, I actually have Eclipse, which is 
one of the longer board games I've ever played. That thing's yes. only hit the table one time. And it's just, I'm really proud of it too, because like all the, it has like over 900 pieces in it. And I've got everything really organized in it, like with like two different, two or three different tackle boxes that I bought for all the pieces. And wow. so it's really organized really well, but I've only ever used it once because no one wants to play it with me. So Adam, let me ask you. So it's 2016 now. What are you looking forward to most this year? Honestly, so uh, the video YouTube stuff has been a passion of mine for the last year. And that's, it's still there. Like that's everything I think about. I think about, you know, the YouTube videos and like, how do I improve those? How do I make them better? And so I'm actually starting actually this afternoon is the first day of, I got into this video labs course through uh, videocreators.com which is like 20 people involved in it to really go into all the different aspects of YouTube uh, from uh, business to SEO to like everything you can think of from hardware to editing to, so I'm, I'm hoping that that's going to help. It's a 10 week thing. Um, and really I just want to keep focusing on the videos this year. Like that's, that's my, that's my focus. I mean, outside of my day job. Right. right, right. <laughs> so I, I still have a day job. Well, it's part of your day job, yeah, right? I'm, I'm not Pootie Pie, so I, you know, I don't make 25 million <laughs> off of a YouTube channel, so I've, I've got to have a day job, right? 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 So, right, right. which is insane, by the way, 25 million for Pootie Pie. I'm like, really? I, I didn't even know that. Yeah, there was a article for 2015, basically like the top, it had like the top eight YouTube videos incomes or, something like or whatever. That? No, like incomes for people, personalities on YouTube, and Pootie Pie was rated number one at like 25 million. Like Lindsey Sterling was seven million or something like that. I, you know, and I've never even seen these videos, so now I got to go look and see what these things <laughs> are. <laughs> you, should, you should go. So I've actually, as part of the doing the videos, one of the things I've done is like I've looked at a lot of different channels and some like content like I would never normally go look at, but some of them, a lot of channels will do like, hey, how do I, you know, what hardware do I use? How do I edit video? So I was like looking at a bunch of get ideas and also just looking at like different styles. So like Tribe Tyler is one I, I watched recently where it's just a vlog, but like the style of his videos are very, very good. But I came across one where it was like, you know, how do I record? What equipment do I use? And it was this girl that was, I think she's a high school student in Sweden or Norway. Well, one of the, one of those countries uh, over in Europe. Like it was like her video was like, like on how she did it was pretty good. It was, it was very well put together. And I'm like, huh, like what kind of content does she even do? And so I look over and like, she's got like 120,000 subscribers and, and I'm like, okay, so the video I clicked on is, Hey, school's about to start up. Let's see what's in my backpack. And I'm like, really? I'm like, <laughs> okay. So I, I mean the, the like, in all honesty, the video was very well put together. Like she was very good on the camera. Like she had a great personality. So I'm, I'm sure that that all of that helps towards getting that. But I'm like 120,000 subscribers, really? So yeah, yeah. It, I, I, I look at YouTube and I, you know I, I go to you know if if I said hey what's my favorite channel and that would be like Rocket Jump, mm -hmm. right? That that does all the special effects videos and the, and the yeah. fight choreography and all that stuff. I think they even have a show now on YouTube which kind of shows like behind the scenes of how they put together these videos and stuff. Yep, they actually have a show on Hulu right now. Yeah, Hulu, Hulu. Thank you. They have got a show on on Hulu. Yeah, and the, the interesting I thought about all that was to put together those. Those videos, I mean, it's not two guys mm -mm. working on it. No, it's a full it's production a crew. crew of people. Yeah, it's a crew. <laughs> yeah, it's a full production studio. I mean, they're f actually flipping trucks. They're doing yep. all this stuff. And I'm like, 
And they're talking about, do we buy the $15,000 van or not? You know, it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you can do some crazy stuff, especially if you have the resources for it. I, I don't, I don't have that. No, no. <laughs> Are you sure? No, I mean, so. you can tell us. We're all friends here. Well, I, you know, not, not for that. So sure, I, sure. I can't hire a crew. So I do have one technical question. All right. Yeah. 2015 was the absolute most insane year I have ever seen for Microsoft technology. And that is really the whole BI structure and Power BI and how all that changed. Are we going to see a, a lot more of, of that kind of rapid growth in the Microsoft BI kind of universe uh, this next year? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I think we saw in 2015 was this real shift from Microsoft standpoint, uh, going back to the video thing, one of the guys that was in there, you know, I said that was part of Microsoft and uh, we were joking around about something. I'm like, he's like, Oh yeah, you, you don't have a Mac though. And I'm like, actually, I do have a MacBook sitting here as well. I'm like, yeah, and I've got an iPhone also. And the reason I got the iPhone was because when I was supporting Power BI, the first app that we were doing for the new V2 stuff was the iOS app. And so I got it. Part of it, the rationale was I can test on it. The the culture has shifted and we're going more towards where the people are as opposed to trying to pull them onto our system. So it's more about the services and the cloud infrastructure and trying to be on every platform. We've released a lot of it. Like the Office apps are a great example of that where we've got the Office apps on Android and iOS now and for iPad. They're really good. So you're you're going to see a lot more of that coming. I, I think the teams have shifted more into this kind of rapid development like let's get features out very quickly you're also you're seeing that with SQL server now too so even like an enterprise server thing we're doing monthly releases for 2016 wow. um, so every month we have a new CTP coming out that that's not gonna stop so and it's like there's features in every release so it's like wow it's insane and on the power bi side we saw for power bi desktop there were a couple months where we like had 40 new features in one month it's it's a fire hose of stuff like even on the content side and on the support side we we had these kind like we can't keep up with everything so there's there's gaps in what's documented or you know how supportability for certain items and it's because the stuff's coming out so fast that it's more like look we're trying to prioritize and get the important important things out there. And if, you know, for the things that we haven't gotten to, we know, okay, we're going to have to go do that at some point, or if it become, you know, it can become a priority if, you know, someone makes some noise. And so that'll, that'll bump it up. But, but yeah, they're doing that. And the other thing I'm loving too, is I, I see this on the Power BI side, but I've seen this in other products too. Uh, and we've had this on SQL server for a while through the connect site. You can do it through support.powerbi.com where, you can send in your feature requests like, Hey, I wish the product did this. Um, and we're actively going after those and not like 18 months down the road. It's like within a couple months, we're trying to get to it. And, uh, the other thing we're seeing a lot more of too is open source, a lot of GitHub repository stuff that people can contribute to and, you know, put back into the product. So that's, that's going to continue as well. Yeah, I, I think it's a, you know, you, you've kind of moved the problems around where the problem was, how do I make this work in my environment, right? Yep. With the limited feature sets to 
Now it's, well, how do I know what's in the box, right? right? Which is kind of, as opposed to being an engineering problem, it's now your team's problem is how do I get the information out there fast enough, which I think is an incredible opportunity for the community to kind of fill that gap. Mm-hmm. And and for, for folks who, hey, I, I'm not speaking at Summit. I'm not... Um, blogging. I, I'm not n- known on Twitter. I've got 20 followers. Um, it's 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 a, it's an opportunity for you to absolutely uh, get get out there and and be noticed and recognized and contribute to the community. I told some people on the support side of like Power BI was kind of this great equalizer on everyone on the team. You know, people that had been here for like 20 years that knew like the box product. And I'm like, all right, nobody knows Power BI. So like there's a ton of opportunity there. And even with the new, what we're doing in 2016, there's so much new stuff there though, that it's like, it's, it's actually, it's very exciting actually. Cause there was a while where there was nothing and now it's like, holy cow. Like we've got yeah. everything coming at us. It's it's welcome to the fire hose. Oh yeah, yeah it is. And I've heard MVPs talk about it where they're like, look, we're, we're just giving you feedback that there's a lot of stuff that. I I haven't even tried it. I can't, I don't have time to get to it, but like, don't stop, like keep doing that. We're just letting you know that we haven't had a chance to really dig into all of it. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's going to, it's going to be a really exciting year uh, in 2016, especially yeah. on the data side for, uh, for us and at least for us on the, the, the SQL server slash BI side. But, and I'm really looking, looking forward to, you know, all the new improvements. We've been using uh, Power BI for the show now for, what, about four or five months now, Cecil? Maybe even nice. longer than that? Yeah, just about. And and I just, um, I started plugging away on it last week and I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, everything that was a problem that I was talking about yeah. has been fixed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's well, all that's, that's the other thing. Like, there. I'll talk about something and like, uh, like on some of the videos that I've done on YouTube, like I'll talk about it in like two weeks. It's like not a problem anymore. I'm like, oh. yeah. or like I had something in the pipeline, like, oh, I'm going to do a video on this. And by the time I got to that, I'm like, uh, I, it's fixed. Shoot. All right. <laughs> well, so much for that video. I've got to figure out something else now. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, and the, the two big things I'm really interested in 2016 are, uh, artificial intelligence and virtual reality. So like HoloLens and Oculus Rift type stuff. Yeah. I'd love to see what happens with this HoloLens thing. I'm really interested to, to see what the practical applications people come up with are. Well, and like, I know like Oculus Rift has done some partnerships too, where there's some video games coming out. Um, there's, was it No Man's Land or something else on the PlayStation side where they're basically saying it's going to have native support in Oculus Rift. Like the game is made for it and it like was amazing. And if you have, um, Samsung, any of the Samsung tools, they have a Samsung VR headset. It's based mm-hmm. on Oculus Rift technology. You could slide your phone into it. And now, like, your games become, I guess, virtually enabled or whatever. Yeah. Um, I haven't tried it, but it looks pretty interesting. There's a there's a video out there. It was made by someone in Israel, but it was kind of like a vision of the future of, like, what it'd be like. And it was like they had eye implants. And, like, you could kind of – it was kind of like an Oculus Rift thing where you see things, like, overlaid on the wall. And, oh. like, it was all this – this guy was, like, trying to date this girl. And, like, he was on the <laughs> site of figuring out. Yes. Like, while they're talking, like, he's, like – trying to hack her or something and she figures it <laughs> yes. out and it's it's like a three or four minute video but it was awesome <laughs> we'd like to thank adam for being a guest on the show it's great to have the opportunity to chat with him if you like the show please tell your friends and leave a comment on the website at away from the keyboard.com 
Also remember to check us out on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash AFTK podcast and on Twitter at AFTK podcast. You can follow me at Cecil Phillip and Richie at Jarris. That's J-O-R-R-I-S-S. You can subscribe to the show via the website or on iTunes. And if you really want to know what makes us tick, sign up to our newsletter where you'll get extra episodes and behind-the-scenes access to Wave from the Keyboard. And don't forget to rate us at awayfromthekeyboard.com slash rate us and get your free Brent Ozar Unlimited training course. Next on Away From The Keyboard, we'll have Dave Norder and Eric Lindgren. That's all. Bye. Yeah, that that that's all. I mean, what are you what are you still hanging around here for? Um, you looking for something? It, did we forget to say something? Yeah, get out of here. Oh no, wait like thirty seconds. We want to thank you for listening to Away from the Keyboard. As a reminder, we will have new episodes each and every week. You can interact with us on Twitter at AFTK Podcast or at awayfromthekeyboard.com. Hasta luego. Yeah, it, it's it's just, that's the same thing with Twilight Imperium. Oh yes, yeah. and now now we're going full board game geek here. Um, you know, <laughs> to, to play those, you know, what they call it, the four X type of games. Yeah. it just it takes it's a day. It's it's eight hours. It's ten hours. And well, not only um, that, it's like an hour, hour and a half just to set it up. And yeah. so it's it's insane. And then yeah, it, if people aren't playing it all the time, so now it takes like another hour to explain how to play it, and then it's by that time you're kind of done and want to play something else. Yeah, so <clears throat> you got to be a special kind of hardcore gamer to, uh, to 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 break that out of the box frequently. So a, a friend of mine who's uh, he's a bigger board gamer than I am. Um, he ended up buying uh, Earth Reborn. I don't know if you've heard of that one. And it's a it's a two player game, but it's one of those kind of campaign things. It's like a dungeon crawl type game, but it's mm-hmm. it's kind of based. The theme of it is post apocalyptic kind of area and the way that the game teaches you it's it's a very complex game and it the way it teaches you how to play it is it has 13 scenarios that each scenario introduces another aspect of the rules yeah and so and each scenario probably takes about two to three hours wow and so we actually i think it was like three or four months straight we went through all 13 scenarios and at the end wow. of that, it's like, okay, it's a free. You can kind of set up your own map and all this other stuff. We're like, yes, we can finally do this. And we're like, yeah, I'm kind of bored with the game. Yeah. <laughs> I want to play something <laughs> now else. Now that I finally got yeah, everything. We did everything. So it was, it was crazy. 
Yeah, the, um, I, I started introducing dungeon crawlers um, with my ten year old, and so we started going through Mice and Mystics, which okay. is kind of a uh, a board gamey, toned down, you know, type theme dungeon crawler. And uh, she loves it. I, I think she she really likes it because of the story aspect to it, and she wants to f- know what happens and and you know are, are we are we going to be successful and all this other stuff. And um, it's been really cool to see her. It's like, can we, can we play my Mystics today? And I'm like, yes. honey, that's it's seven o'clock, and it takes about two and a half hours to play. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, maybe over the weekend we can I'm, play. I'm trying to get my daughters into board games, but. I just I can't get them latched on. Their their extent of board games is let's play Uno and let's play Life. Oh. So, and I'm like, okay, let's play oh. like let's start out with something simple and play like Dominion or Ticket to Ride. Ticket yeah. to they they actually do like Ticket to Ride. Oh, um, good. Like uh, Kingsburg is another good like yep. intro game, um, but they don't like if it involves like heavy counting, like they're out. They don't they oh. don't want to do that. They don't want to do the math. I'm like, come on! It's like you guys two plus two. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm still. Yeah, we're, it's a work in progress. Yeah, we've we've started uh, doing a lot of board games. The, the older one is is getting pretty good. We she wanted Cyclades, which is I a, have that game. Your, yeah, Euro slash yeah. Um, war game. I, didn't, I did not and, care for that game. Really? Yeah. Um, we play it for the first time, and uh, I dug it because I, I like more of the Euro kind of style. Yeah. Um, I, bit, I usually do more also. The, the bidding and stuff. Yeah, I, I usually like those as well, but I didn't. The Cyclades, I just didn't. I, I played it like three or four times, and I was like, yeah, it's okay. Well, she dug it. I mean, and she, she was, you know, she saw a, a way of strategy, and I was, you know, going full on trying to conquer people, and mm-hmm. she you know, she was getting conquered and she was only on one island and then all of a sudden uh, she snuck in the back door and <laughs> overtook my wife and won the whole thing. And then I've got, you know, like a minute video of her running around the house screaming that she won. That's you know? funny. So, 